Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We have a special episode for you today. Recently, our church, Erie First Assembly, hosted its second annual conference called Breakthrough Weekend. For that conference, we partnered with two other churches from our area, Erie Christian Fellowship and New Beginnings Church, and together we minister to our community and promote unity across churches. After this year's conference, we held a multi-church Sunday service featuring all three congregations together and their pastors sharing a message on unity. We're excited to share that message called One City, One Church with you today. Joining Pastor Nicole are Pastor Matt Friend from New Beginnings Church and Pastors Jason and Liz Ackerman from Erie Christian Fellowship. It's a great message and we believe you'll enjoy it as well. So let's begin. Here's Pastor Matt Friend. Hallelujah. Well, Erie First Assembly of God, come on, Erie Christian Fellowship and New Beginnings Church, welcome to One City, One Church Sunday. Come on, this is so awesome. We are really excited to be here. So sitting in this chair is going to be very hard. We're going to try. We might get a little ratchet strap or seatbelt, but wow. It is such an honor to simply be in the room today, let alone be on the platform and share the pulpit with some uh, great ministry that I love and respect so much. And uh, just, just to be here today is so, so great. But how did we get here today? So part of my job this morning to open up is I'm going to give a little origin story. Everybody loves origin stories, right? Marvel's making a ton of money making origin stories. So we're going to give a little, little story today, and these guys might chime in a little bit this morning. But how do we get to this point where two congregations shut their doors, put a sign on it this morning, says, meet us for one city, one church at Erie First Assembly of God? How does that happen? So we're going to give a little, little uh, playback here today. So I think it was in around late 2020, in the winter there, Pastor Nicole reached out to many pastors in the Erie area about getting together for a combined uh, Good Friday service. I don't know how many were there at that first Good Friday service. A few of us met, uh, prayed a lot, plans were made, and invitations were sent out. For most of us, this was uh, the first in-person gathering since COVID hit. Remember that thing back in the day? That, yeah, we want to forget all about that. But man, that first in-person gathering, pastors were so excited. At the end, we had some time laying on hands. I said, guys, I did the closing thing that, that night. And I said, guys, there is no reason for you to miss the opportunity of prayer. There are pastors here that have not laid hands on people in months. They are so excited and ready to pray. It was so awesome. Uh, Excitement and expectation filled the sanctuary, and what was even more awesome for me, a chance to be part of over 15 pastors met in the other room, 15 lead pastors, different congregations all across Erie County, and prayed. I have never been part of something like that. We've met a few here and there, gathered, but over 15, and what was so cool about it is most of us, some of us didn't know each other, but we all knew Pastor Nicole. <laughs> we all knew and trusted the uh, leadership and the council here at Erie First Assembly of God. So if they were here, they're all right with them. They're all right with us. And uh, it was just such a, such a nice time of prayer. And the service went amazing. And after the, the service, like I said, the altars were filled and pastors were praying and people were crying out for more God. We, we, we just lingered, loitered, if you will, or just hung out like pastors do at the end of service. And uh, we're just like, God started something tonight. What, what was it you said, Pastor Nicole? I think you, you remember what you said. Yeah, I said, why don't we do this more often? Amen. We just, like, we have to keep this going. We got to feed this fire. 
So we gathered and uh, plans were made for our first breakthrough weekend and then a worship and prayer night and then a second Good Friday service and then a second breakthrough weekend. And as we were meeting around the table and eating and sharing with the, our worship leaders there and some of our, our, uh, our other leaders and just, just sharing our heart and seeing what God was going to do for this second breakthrough weekend, God started to do something new. It's funny, the theme for the Breakthrough Weekend was new. God started something in that conversation right then and there. An idea was brought up. If we really want to show and encourage unity amongst our congregations, what if we not just have a prayer meeting? What if we not just join forces for a conference? What if we came together on Sunday morning? It was so good. It was so, it's just like, Silence came across the table. Everybody stopped chewing, stopped just like, can we do that? Is that allowed? Is, is that like in the rules? Like, can we do that? And after that, about that moment of silence, we all kind of just like, let's do it. Let's go. Let's go, man. Let's, let's do this. And uh, it was just, just so neat to see, to see that happen. As we begin today, well, right after that, we began to debate about who would preach. <laughs> and it's funny, we, we all argued very much. Not over I should preach, over you should preach. No, you should preach. No, you should preach. And then I don't know if I brought up, like, guys, let me just all three preach. All right? So you might be in for a long one tonight, but buckle up. God's good. It's going to be a good word. And that's why they got us in these chairs, because we won't preach long. I won't run all over the stage. What if we joined together for a Sunday morning service? So we begin, to, uh, we begin today, and I want you to know, I want you to know, someone wrote this in my notes, and I want to just declare it from this platform. We at New Beginnings Church pray for, stand with, and believe in Pastors Jason and Liz Ackerman and the staff and the work of the Lord at Erie Christian Fellowship. We pray for, stand with, and believe in Pastor Nicole Schreiber, the staff, and the work of the Lord here at Erie First Assembly of God. And as we move forward, I always want to honor where we've been. Amen? As a young boy, my parents, the founding uh, pastors of our church here at New Beginnings Church, brought me to many services. I had a drug problem as a kid. I was drugged to every church service all across the county. <laughs> hey, back when churches didn't just meet Sunday, I was a pastor joke, yeah. And uh, so everybody's like, he was on drugs? No, no. Just like yesterday, we didn't reuse the boxes, all right? I was collecting those boxes after the dinner. Some people thought we were reusing them. Calm down. They went in the trash, just organized, okay? If you weren't there, that... So as a young boy, we, we went all over and brought me to many services from both of these churches represented today. And those seeds of faith were planted in my life back then by those founding pastors and those churches are alive today, and we're seeing the fruit of it come together on this platform. Isn't God good? Can we thank God for our, our founding pastors? Pastor Larry Albanese, Pastor Jim Dumont, and Pastor Paul French Sr. Come on. Yes. Come on. Today, this action, this is an answer to prayer. Prayers of pastors gone before and unseen intercessory prayer warriors that prayed God in this city. Oh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, God. Lord, do something. Unite your church. Let your bride arise. Oh, for your glory in Jesus' name. 
Well, we may have seen the, the birth of this movement, but it was conceived many years ago. All of us at the table here are pastors that have transitioned. It's funny, so many things we have in common around the same time, but transition into the lead pastor role from another pastor. We didn't start these works. God brought us into it. So we know that we stand on a platform or sit on a platform today that we did not ourselves build. We stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before. And we know and realize it's not about us and it's not about them. If it's not about us and it's not about them, it must be all about him. Come on, it's not about our message. It's not about their message. It's about his message. Amen. Woo. And we stand today not in their strength or even in the combined strength of each other. We stand united in the strength of the one who is gathering us all together for his glory and his purpose. Amen. Since our very first meeting, we started to gather together. Pastor Liz just had something on her heart. What was it that you said from the beginning? We were in a combined prayer service um, at the Rose Center at DCF, and it just overwhelmingly the big C. We just began praying for church with the big C, not separate bodies, but one body, one church. Amen, the big C. I was just carried over, carried over. We just kept saying that over and over. Then a year later, Pastor Daniel, come on, doesn't he do such a great job in here today? Pastor Daniel, we're sitting at the table, we're talking, we're trying to plan stuff for, for this second uh, breakthrough weekend, and, and he just speaks up. He says, when God spoke to a city, he spoke to the church in that city. Oh, my goodness. Come on, as soon as he said that, I felt like Elizabeth when Mary walked in. I ain't a pregnant woman, but something kicked inside of me. I felt something inside of me that moment. When one church, I wrote this down, when I wrote this down that day at that dinner, when one church comes together in one city to hear what God has to say and wants to partner together for what he is doing, let me tell you, heaven gets excited and hell gets scared. Hallelujah! Woo! One city, one church, God is still speaking to his church. And it's not different messages to different houses. He's the same God now as he was then. His story isn't over. And he's still using his church. I listen to some of your sermons, guys. Every once in a while, I'll text you and, 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 and tell you something, encourage you on it. I just finished a whole series at our church that just declared, if we trust God in our brokenness, we will see the miraculous power of his faithfulness. It was like a four-week series. And I got that whole thing off of listening to Pastor Jason talk about communion. Just, just, the, just the, the power, the passion for communion, the purpose of communion in your life. And this whole series was birthed out of his teaching on communion, his passion for communion. I just watched last week's sermon here at Erie First. Pastor Nicole, she said, if you look out your window, come on, those of you that were here might remember this, and all you see is everything that's coming against you, I want you to know that there is more with you and for you than against you. That's some good preaching right there. Hey, and isn't it something, the very next week that that was spoken, this happens. Two churches close their doors and gather with you to lift up the name that's above every name. Oh, it's so good. The King of Kings. God is speaking, and we are one church. Come on, we're returning to the foundation, somebody said. One city, one church doesn't mean we close all our buildings and have one meeting place. Oh, that'd be pretty awesome, I think, sometimes. One city, one church does mean we have many locations, many congregations, many shepherds, pastors, and leaders. 
We may even have different styles, formats, dress codes, and systems, but make no mistake, we are one body of believers. We are part of the big C, the church that Jesus is building and that he is returning for. Amen? We may even have slightly different, how that may, different opinions about how that may happen, but we agree he is coming again. And we're not going to let viewpoints, styles, or opinions separate us. What the enemy can't defeat, he distracts. And we will not be distracted any longer. Amen? Hallelujah. We got one Savior who is building one church. And we will unite for his purpose in his kingdom. It's time we lay down all the non-essentials. I've been talking to our church. We can lay down all the non-essentials, things that aren't eternal. How we do church versus how you do church versus how we all used to do church. I'm willing to lay it all down to come alongside you. To give you strength to lift up the name that's above every name. And see him draw all men unto him. Amen. So how many prayed for this service today? I want to ask you this. How many prayed for this service today? Don't raise your hand. It's wrong to lie, and it's really long to uh, lie in church about praying for church. So don't raise your hand, but you can just answer this. How many of you prayed for service today? Well, if you said yes, I want to say so did Jesus. And if you didn't, maybe it's all right because Jesus got us covered. You know, he prayed. This is, yeah. So John chapter 17 is what I'm going to look at. You can turn there in your Bibles, verses uh, 20. Through 23, I want to read, but this is what we call the high priestly prayer. Those of you that are taking notes, John chapter 17. This is a record of Jesus praying. This is awesome. You see, we all, we all have the Lord's Prayer memorized. I, I say it all the time. I learned it not so much in church, even though it was said in church, but I learned it in the football locker room. <laughs> Anybody with me? And uh, I always say I learned a, a verse after that, you know, for that is the king, the glory, and the power forever. And then let's go get some, you know, what, I don't know what. It might have been the message translation. I don't know. But uh, so, but I learned that in the, foot, in the locker room, the Lord's Prayer but see, the Lord's Prayer is a template. It's instructional. But this, John 17, is a manuscript. This is the text file of Jesus' prayer. Can you imagine if we had the audio file to hear Jesus pray for us? John 17 begins with Jesus praying to his Father. Verse 9, he begins specifically praying for his disciples, his followers that were with him then and there. But in verse 20, I get really excited because this is where Jesus specifically prays for Matt Friend. This is where he prays specifically for you, for us. I'm going to read out of the NIV. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Someone say, this is us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Listen to this. If you've got a Bible, I underline this. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I got a question for you. Why is unity in the church always under attack? Money in your own house, let alone across the, across the county or the road or different denomination or style. Why in Jesus' final moments? John 17 is the night of his betrayal. In moments before his arrest, why did Jesus pray for unity in his, amongst his followers? 
Come on, this passage declares the answer in red letters, if you've got that kind of Bible, in Jesus' own words, so that the world may believe, may believe that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. How does the enemy try to stop the world from knowing Jesus? He keeps the church divided. Our oneness is proof and evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. The believability of the God we serve depends on the love that we have for one another. I'm going to say that again. The believability of the God we serve depends on the love we have for one another. Somebody said unity is attractive to the world. They don't see it anywhere else. It's time they see it in here. It's time when they come through those doors, they see people that love God and love each other and love them. It's time we take unity and we make it in and amongst the church, not just a cute little token service or a barely mentioned prayer at the end like a tag. Oh, yeah, I just unify your church. No, it's now one of our main goals. A key matter of prayer, just like Jesus made it. Because it is evidence that Jesus is Lord. You want to see revival across the Erie County Church like nothing we've ever seen or heard? That we must cast down everything that separates and then brings division and lift up the one who is gathering and uniting us for his purpose. I want to leave you this, this thought I wrote down this morning, like four in the morning. The origin of unity is in Christ with the heart of the Father experienced through his church. It is seen in how we worship him and walk with each other. Can you please welcome pastors Jason and Liz Ackerman as they tell us more about unity and how much it is important. We love you. All right. So I don't know how we chose who gets to do what, <laughs> but I get to give us Liz and I get to give a little bit of a reality check. So we did a lot of jumping and praising and shouting down the preachers saying, yes, unity, 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 unity. This is great. This is great. This is great. And we're all excited about it right here, right now on a Sunday morning. But what does the Bible say about it? How do we actually have to walk this out this afternoon, this evening, Monday morning, on Tuesday, in our families, in our homes, when we see that person at Wegmans and say, hmm, come on, guys, right? It's you see him and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. And then you go home or you go somewhere else and you begin to, you know what, I saw that person at Wegmans again, you know, every time, and you start going, and go, come on, guys, we do this, right? And we start talking about this other person as if we have any right to be able to speak of that other person in that way. So unity, we love to say it, we love to cheer about it, but to actually work it out in our lives, this is hard stuff. I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of amens on this portion of the message, and I'm okay with that, Okay. One thing I'd like to confirm before we get in, you can turn to Ephesians 4 uh, with me here in a, in a minute. But one thing I'd like to confirm is some of these words that we had heard over here uh, that uh, Pastor Daniel had brought forth about Pennsylvania. I'd like to confirm one of those completely. Is this was years and years ago, again, long before this actually happened. There was a vision someone had in our church over a darkness over specifically Northwest Pennsylvania. 
I mean, it was dark. It was black. And there was a beacon of light that was coming forth from Erie, Pennsylvania. Come on, guys. This would be the last time you cheer for my, this message part of it. I, give, I need a little bit of cheer in here. It's okay. This is good for what God is doing, right? There was a beacon of light coming out of Erie, Pennsylvania, and it was just penetrating the darkness and penetrating the darkness. And it was beginning to move across Route 90 and down Route 79, and the darkness had to flee. It had to flee. And this happened years ago, and I was like, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? And I believe whoever said a stamp was put on this day and this time this Sunday morning, I believe that is the stamp that we're going to begin to see that actually come to pass as Jesus moves from northwest Pennsylvania across. Amen. So Ephesians 4, I'm going to read a couple of verses. Well, I'll read the first verse and then I'll talk about it a little bit. It says this. It says, I therefore, this is Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, right? It was written to the church, not all the con- It was written to the church of the city. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Somebody you can speak about being in prison was Paul, okay? Because he lived it. He was in it. I don't know about you. I wasn't in prison. But this guy, he's, he was able to speak from his own personal experience. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. And I, I read that verse and I was just like, what does it mean to be a prisoner? What does it mean to actually be a prisoner? And we talk about prisoner in the sense of, you know, I've got chains on and Jesus is going to break my chains. And Paul and Silas were in jail and they sung hymns and they prayed and they saw the chains fall. But what Paul is talking about here is this specific fact. We don't get to do anything we want. You don't get to do anything you want anymore. You'd actually don't. You say, well, Pastor Jason, I have free will and I could, yeah, you can choose to do different things. But my Bible says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. So if you are, yeah, yeah not just the easy ones. I, and I wrote in my note, I was like, well, which ones, Jesus? Okay, I'm going to go in my prayer time and ask Jesus, like, which specific commands can I obey? And then which ones can I just be like, I'm having a hard day, maybe not today. And Jesus was like, uh, all of them. He said, well, I can't do that. He says, I know you can't do that all the time in your own strength, which is why we need Jesus, why we need to walk with the Holy Spirit. This unity is not possible unless we, our lives are in tune with the Holy Spirit and we're walking with Jesus every single day. Because the moment you don't, the moment you don't begin walking with Jesus or being led by the Holy Spirit, the person in Wegman shows up and hmm Right? Because our flesh is just like, man, I ain't got time for this. Uh-uh. I don't, I, no, no, not, to, oh, please, no, not, oh, no, not today. But God says, obey all of my commands. So we don't get to just do anything we want. And so Paul begins to then tell us, well, how do we do this? How do we make this walk, this worthy of this calling? What does it look like? Verse 2. With all lowliness. Come on, how many of you wake up in, in, in a prayer? Lord, Lord, I'd like to be lowly today. 
I like to, I want to be gentle today. I want to be long-suffering today. We've been taught not to pray the prayer of patience because what does God do? He gives us opportunities to be patient, right? We're just like, oh, Lord, don't pray the prayer of patience today because then he'll put you in the longest line in the grocery store, right? I don't know why Wegmans is every example, but it just is today. It's not even in the notes. It's just Wegmans, okay? Life happens at, life happens at Wegmans, right? Because here we are, unified, and we're excited about church. We're worshiping, but life happens out there. Come on, this is the church. We are the church. So go, as you say, right, at the end of every service. So go be the church, right? New Beginnings hears this all the time. Now, the, you know, let's go be the church. So it says, with all loneliness, with all gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another, bearing with one another in love. You're like, whoa, so this is how I have to walk in unity? So, and I looked at it, I was like, this is walking with God. Come on, church. I can't do this by myself. I have to rely on God to help me walk this way. This lowliness is I have to walk with a reliance on God. With this gentleness, I have to walk with the personality of God. He's a gentle God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I have to walk with long suffering means I have to trust in God. When everything that I want doesn't happen right away. That's, we don't get what we want all the time. I sing that song to my kids. I'm not going to sing it up here. But you can't always get what you want. I am singing it. Okay. It's like a Rolling Stones song or something. So I'm not promoting you go search that up on Spotify. But what I, I changed the lyrics this morning. Oh, my gosh. I changed the lyrics this morning. I said, but guess what? Sometimes... No, no, all the time, Jesus will get what you need, okay? Not sometimes, but always Jesus gets what we need, not always what we want. So I got to walk in this patience, trusting in the Lord, and then bearing with one another. Come on, God. How many of you know that God has bared with you? <laughs> I'm looking in the mirror right now. God, has, God bears with me every single day. He bears with me. And what I'm thinking and how I'm acting, he's just like, son, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he bears with me in love. So should we not then bear with one another in that same love? And so what is love? Love is this definition that we say in our church a lot is this. Love is doing the best possible thing for the other person in the moment. Let that sit for a minute. Parents, oh. Let that, oh, maybe you can't get, let them get what they want all the time. Love is doing the best possible thing for the other person in the moment. That's how God treats us. That's how God treats us. Should we not be treating others in that same way, with that same heart saying, you know what? What is the best possible thing this person needs right now in this moment? And then verse 3 says this. It says, endeavoring... To keep endeavoring, like intentionally, I'm going to walk this way because I can't get to, I just can't do everything I want to go do all the time. I have to walk this way with these characteristics in my life day in and day out. So I'm endeavoring, I'm intentionally working to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So I looked up and I did some research, you know, praying, what is this unity of the spirit? And I believe there's three components of it. When we are in unity with each other, there are three things that we see. 
no matter the denomination, no matter the, uh, the location of our facility, all the stuff we talked about, it's three things. There's a common conviction about Christ. Come on, church. There is a common conviction that Jesus is who he says he is. He did what he actually did, and he died on that cross for my sins and for yours, and he rose from the grave, and he sitted at the right hand of the Father, and he is coming back again someday. Can we all agree on that this morning? That's what we can all agree upon. It's this common conviction about who Christ is, an unwavering conviction that that is who Jesus Christ is. And then there's this common confidence in Christ, like I need him, I have to walk with him, and he's coming back someday, and no matter what I'm faced with, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm seeing, whatever it is that's in front of me, I have confidence in him and him alone. And as a church, we can all say that together. We have common confidence in Christ. And then here's the one we were talking about, or I'm, we're talking about, and Pastor Liz is going to get up and, and exp- give a, just she's going to talk about this more, but it's this, is that there is a common care for the bride of Christ. A common care for the bride of Christ. How many of us drive by another church and begin to stop and weep and lay hands on that church and pray for that pastor and pray for that church and pray for that community and their initiatives and what they're doing and how they're acting and all the things and things that they're going through. You can't go anywhere in Erie without passing a church in about 30 seconds. Even if you're driving the speed limit. There are churches everywhere. And I'm encouraging you and challenging you, the next time you pass that church, can you have a common care for the bride of Christ, what he gave his life for, what he did for us, that we can come together in unity as one. Amen. I love when he's so excited about things, like he's having revelations up here. That's right, yeah. That's not I just said that this morning. I'm going to talk about the family of God. We are one family. If you look in Ephesians, and you don't have to turn there, but in Ephesians 2, 18 through 19, it says, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father, and both is Gentile and Jew. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There is one household of God. We are one family. There's a lot of strangers here to me this morning, but we are one family. And what that looks like is my, I, my opinion about you is not allowed in my mind. I don't, I, I dealt with myself, mm, Holy Spirit dealt with me a while ago, a long time ago, with really practicing having no opinion on things. I have no opinion where I have no responsibility. I have a responsibility to Christ for who? For me, for my husband, for my marriage, for my children. That's already quite a full plate. So whether or not you should be wearing a particular t-shirt to church or not, I will practice. I mean, I have no opinion on it. I've got my plate full having an opinion on what my children are wearing to church. And that's, that, that's for, like, that's, that is love and common care for the body because it keeps me safe and it keeps you safe. 
I'm going to paint a picture of what unity looks like in this family. I'm going to do it just by talking a minute about our household. For those of you who don't know us, we've been married for 23 years. We have, if there is one thing that characterizes our marriage, it is unity and extravagant grace. Extravagant grace. For the first 10 years on his part, and then in the next five-ish years, it was my turn. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. But there's been a unity. Not for one minute did I doubt the loyalty. Not for one minute was what was best for me withheld intentionally or out of just laziness. There's personal responsibility. I'm responsible for him. He's responsible for me. We have eight children, uh, seven daughters and one son. They range from five years old up to 20. The boy is in the middle. He is not the last one. That's a common question. And our family is not perfect, not by a long shot, but one thing that has just flowed from this union into our home is unity. It's loyalty to one another. Now, there are 10 people living in our home. That is 10 schedules on my calendar. How do I prioritize who gets our attention? How do, I prior how do we prioritize whose opinion prevails? There's 10 opinions. We do not agree as individuals any more than y'all agree as individuals. It's 10 individuals. Unity, where am I at? <laughs> um, you prioritize unity and you cultivate unity. You do it three ways. You cultivate unity by modeling it. We do not preach unity to our children. We have never used the word unity to our children. We've never even used the word loyalty. It's just who we are. It's just what we do. What I've said to my children is, honey, I'm sorry that that happened. I know what he did, but you can't hit him. That's not what we do. Babe, that's not what we do. Have you ever seen your father? No. Have you ever seen your mother hit? No. It's not what we do. We model it. And then we expect it. It's an expectation. It's just out there. We hold ourselves, as, as the leaders of our home, we hold ourselves personally accountable to the standard of Christ. We don't, there's no justification. And I mean, we're, we're real married. It's real life at the Ackerman house. Real life. So when I get outside of unity or outside of those behaviors that, um, those values uh, that, that cultivate unity, there's that extravagant grace that takes a beat and gives me a minute and doesn't the Holy Spirit work in our hearts, the hearts of our kids, and within minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes, that child or that wife or that husband comes back around and says, you know what, I, mom, I shouldn't have, I, I, I know that I was talking to you in a way that's not okay, I'm sorry. And I say, forgiven, now let's talk about that thing that got us both so riled. So when you prioritize unity, there are things that you do and things that you do not do. The things that you do, you cultivate trust. You cultivate, you give grace for imperfection. Without grace and space to grow, this wouldn't be happening right now. This wouldn't be happening right now. 
Grace doesn't get angry immediately when someone mistreats you. It, just take a beat. Just take a beat and ask a question. God, what's going on with their heart today? Gosh, they must really be going through something, Lord. Because that, that was harsh. That person was harsh with me, God. How can I pray for them? Now, that sounds really spiritual. I don't know if I've ever done it that quick. Takes me, the Holy Spirit's got to deal with me. I, I mean, so I mean, I'll just be real. Unity is hard for me. It's hard for me. I've learned so much uh, from my husband, from my kids, but mostly from the Holy Spirit. We are discipled by the Holy Spirit, and so we disciple our children. Holy Spirit has never preached to me. He's never just sat me down and let me have it. Well, I mean, he's asked me some really tough questions. <laughs> I mean, he has. He has put it to me. Um, and, and always, it always brings glory in the end. It always brings me into unity with those around me. Things you do, you think the best of each other. You know what? But he did that on purpose. Mom, he did that on purpose. Mm -mm -mm -mm. He may have, but maybe he didn't. Maybe, maybe you're not even a thought in his brain today. You know, he's got a big game coming up and he's nervous about playing quarterback. Maybe he wasn't even considering you. It had nothing to do with you. Don't be quick to take offense. Do you know offense rips churches apart? It tears it apart, tears us apart. Because we don't like that the pastor did this. Or we don't like that that girl who got up and did the word, well, she just focused too much on herself and not enough about Jesus. Well, you know what? Maybe she is learning. Maybe she's practicing her prophetic gifting. Maybe she's practicing. Maybe she is trying to be obedient and not getting it just right. Can we have grace? Can we root for one another? Can we trust the leadership that they are speaking into that, that girl's life? I'm not talking about me. I've never done that. I've never given a prophetic word that was just not just so, just right. I thank God that for 20 years I was at Erie Christian Fellowship with strong leadership that modeled excellence. They modeled, you know, personal responsibility, but they also gave space. They gave space um, Gave space for practice. Things you do not do. I have a whole list of things you do. I could just be up here all morning. Things you do not do. You do not. The Ackerman family does not gossip and talk about one another to other people. We talk about one another to each other. To each other. Maybe not right away because we give each other grace and space. We, we wait to the appropriate time. We let ourselves and the other person get where they need to go. But we do not gossip and talk poorly about one another to others. We do not demand perfection of one another. We do not allow offense to take root as unforgiveness and bitterness. Because I don't want my family torn apart. I've got to hold myself accountable. I have to hold myself accountable to Christ, to the standards, to his standard. Sometimes, sometimes I just want to say to people, where is Christ? I hear what you're saying to me. I know it's hard. I know your family is a nightmare at Thanksgiving. I know your church is struggling. I know you don't like when your pastor says this, or I know you don't like when the worship leader does that, but where is Christ in you? Where is your commitment to his ways? Where is your commitment? Because that's where your peace is. You think you'll have peace when that member of the worship team doesn't wear the ripped jeans or when that person preaches this way or doesn't get so emotional. You think you're going to have peace like that's the stamp of approval of God on the church. You are wrong. He's going to talk to you about you. What kind of grace have you given? Unity is hard. 
It is hard. And that's why Pastor Matt said, I mean, or maybe Pastor Jason said, the Spirit said, it's hard because it's what will show the world that, that Jesus was real, that he is real, that he's alive. I said, if this is what Jesus prayed in John 17, how miraculous it must be for there to be unity. It's hard. I often, I just said this, I, I often feel like a puzzle piece. The one that got lost under the coffee table, that got chewed by the dog. I'm a little bit warped, and sometimes I just struggle to, to fit myself in as smoothly as my husband. And over and over and over, God says, he is him, and you are you, and I love him, and I love you. And he brings me back to me and him. He brings me back to me and him. What y'all think about me, the Lord is told, it's none of my business. He's going to deal with you on you. It's none of my business. So I love it. Unity is worth fighting for. We model it. We expect it. We protect it because we have common goals. The shared goals in the family of God is that each member gives generously and partakes fully of love and grace. Gives generously and then partakes fully of love and grace. And then that each member develops to maturity in love and in their calling to kingdom work. Why is unity so difficult? Because it is essential to kingdom work. If we want to be effective in doing the work of the kingdom, unity is essential. Why does the enemy get so nervous when we come together, when we start taking steps individually? I'm looking out at all these faces, so many individuals. You know, from my 11-year-old son or my 7-year-old daughter, I hold her accountable to unity. I hold her, and I teach her to hold herself accountable. Because I'm raising up members of the body in Christ, first and foremost, and I will put on them that responsibility and the Holy Spirit will empower them. There's no way to unity without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's essential to effectively do the work of the kingdom. What is kingdom work? It's the only thing that matters, church. Hear me, it's the only thing that matters is kingdom work. In 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, that is judgment day, will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. I like how the New Living Translation does it. That last part, let's see. It says, let me find it. My reading glasses are on my head where they're doing me an awful lot of good. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. What burns up is the wood, the hay, the straw. 
Gold is refined in fire. Silver, precious, precious jewels. There, that is the kingdom work. That is the eternal work. My marriage is a kingdom work. My investment into my children, my investment into the people of God, the body of Christ, the family of God is eternal and kingdom work. Protecting my interests is temporal. It's hay, it's straw, it's wood. Fussing about, oh, well, I don't like the way they said this. I don't like this translation they, they, they're using. That is temporal work. Your career. Do it, do it well, do it with excellence, but it is only your platform to see the lost saved, to see lives transformed, to see the sick healed, and to see families thriving. That is kingdom work. That is the kingdom work. Church, no more. No more the heart of God cries out, my bride, my bride, my bride, where is your heart? Where is your heart? He cries out, where is your heart? Unity is essential to do kingdom work. Kingdom work is confronting the sin in our own hearts. Kingdom work is the tearing down of strongholds in our own lives. Kingdom work is entering into the suffering of Christ. And it's surrendering, surrendering all. To know him, to love him, and to obey him, whatever the cost. And when we begin to have this conversation, when you walk out of here, get ready. Get ready, church, because the opportunity for you to be offended will come, and it will come quick. And it will be slick, man. The devil is no fool. I'm telling you, he was created before us at the very beginning. He is not some unintelligent little, ooh, I step on the devil and he's dead under my feet, that dumb old devil. He's not dumb. He deceives the wisest. He comes, he is sneaky. Offense, the opportunity for offense will come. The opportunity for pettiness, for pride, for gossip. These things are hurting the body of Christ. It is my heart to not hurt the body, the body of my Savior, of my Lord, the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the body. So if I lash out, if I go, Pastor Matt, man, did you see Ruth Poncho? That thing's so colorful. It distracts me while I preach. Or I love it because it reminds me of Ruth, and I love her. And I know I can use her as, as an example because this woman prioritizes unity but if I'm just like, mm, you see that poncho? That was something. What is that? No one but Christ and either my own self. If I say it in my head, no one will know. No one will know. But I've done damage to the body of Christ because I just tore someone down instead of just moving on. We prioritize unity to advance the kingdom of God for his glory. Because we serve at the pleasure of King Jesus. Serve at the pleasure of King Jesus. We can't do whatever we want. I'm going to close by wrapping up our look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. I'm going to read verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. There is one way and one hope for true unity in the body of Christ. 
and that is Jesus. So today, the worship team is going to come back. We're just going to represent this unity that we've been talking about um, by taking communion together as a family. Um, the Lord's Supper is a picture of unity uh, bought by the death of Christ. Unity between God and us and unity between each other. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11.33, it says this about communion. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat you should all eat together. And this is a group activity. Now, you can take communion on your own as well, but in this scripture, the reason that communion is part of unity is because it represents something so powerful. We're remembering. We are remembering what Christ did for us. We're remembering the very thing that unites us together no matter what our differences are. And I love that you just talked about that because really, we could have absolutely nothing in common with the person sitting to our right or to our left, but today when we share communion, it bridges that gap. We're declaring, I was saved by the blood of Jesus, the same blood of Jesus you were saved by, the same blood of Jesus the person next to me was saved by, and it closes the gap, and it ultimately levels the playing field of all judgments and all differences, and our sensitivity and our acceptance for each other should increase as we remember what Christ did for us, what Christ did for each of us. And without him, we are all uh, broke anyway, right? Without him, we're, we're never gonna get to heaven, but with him and because of him and only because of him, we have uh, the security in our future. And so uh, with the elements that we have today, the bread and the juice, it really represents hope. Hope for us, hope for each of us, hope for uh, the, the broken, hope for the, the poor, the restless, the bored, hope for the crisis, for the things that, that we need. And we take communion in remembrance of what Christ did for us on the cross. And today, particularly, we're going to take it together. There's just something about that unity that we're going to do together. So we set it up a little different, at least uh, that we do at Erie First. Usually uh, we cut up some bread and we have a... Um, a cup full of juice. And what we're going to do today is if you would come and take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice, um, you don't have to submerge it, okay? Like just a little dip will do you fine. Uh, and so we're going to do that. And um, that's going to be uh, the way that we're going to show the body and the blood of Christ today. And I'm going to ask um, Pastor Matt and Jen and Pastor Jason and Liz, if you guys would take your places and uh, Joel and I will be over here. And uh, we want you uh, to come to any table. In fact, don't go to the table that you're, it's your pastor, okay? It's this idea that together as one church, we're going to take communion today. We're going to be praying over just you and blessing you and asking God to meet you right where you are and remember the hope and the love of Jesus and that there's power in his name and power in unity. And uh, we're going to do that as we come. And so would you, would you come when we start the song? I'm going to pray here in a minute. And let's join in communion together as a family of God. And let's sing this song that just declares that Jesus is worthy of it all. So will you pray with me? God, we know that in the word, you modeled this, where you came together at the table and you broke the bread and you said, take and eat, this is my body. And then uh, you, you passed the cup and you said, take and drink, this is my blood. And Father, we know that when we have this moment, we are remembering what you did for us on the cross. 
that you died for us. Every sin of our past, every sin of our present, every sin of the future. And God, that you took the punishment that we deserve. And Lord, because of that, because of that moment, we can live redeemed, we can live free, we can live full of hope. God, because of that, we can live in a way that shines uh, the, the gospel to other people. And Father, we may not feel like we have anything in common with other people in this room, or we may feel hurt, legitimately hurt, or, or maybe awkward, or whatever the feeling is, but God, today, in this moment, we can feel the unity because of what you did, because of who you are, because you died on that cross for us. And Lord, we are so grateful, we are so thankful. As we sang that song right before we came up here, uh, felt like the Lord said, you know, that's really what we're showing here. That's really our prayer as these three churches. Lord, we make room for you. Would you just shake up all our religion, all the things we think should or shouldn't be? And God, we just want you to do whatever you want to. And that's our heart. And that's the cry today. And so Lord, we, we ask that as we do this, we could remember, we could remember the cross. Would you make us whole and clean again? We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on up, partake in communion as we close in worship today.
this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name and I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide how long how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the faithfulness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can find Eerie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eeriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.